Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, we're joined by Sean Callahan, who is the founder of of a company called Anecdote and also the author of a book, Putting Stories to Work. Anecdote is one of the world's leading business storytelling teachers and advisors. Sean started his career in technology with companies such as Oracle and IBM, but he realised that at the end of the day, it was human factors that determined the success of any enterprise. In 2004, he founded Anecdote and has worked for a number of the biggest companies in the world, including Microsoft, Bayer and Shell. He joins me on the line now from his office in Melbourne, Australia. Sean, thank you very much for joining us on GovComs. Very nice to be here, David. Thank you very much. Why is it that stories are so important if people are to communicate effectively? Well, I think a lot of it's got to do with just how people hear stories differently to, you know, opinions and and viewpoints. As soon as you hear someone recount an experience, it moves from what I call a, a push strategy, which is essentially when you're pushing information at people, like saying, you must believe this, versus a pull strategy. And when, you, when you're sharing a story, you're just sort of sharing an experience and the listeners are just going, they're just pulling it towards them and going, oh, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that happened. I wonder what happens next. And so as a result of that, they, they experience the information totally differently. I hear it differently. In fact, just last night I was at Melbourne University and an academic was giving a, a talk on, uh, well, cultural appropriation, that was the, the topic, and uh, she was an Aboriginal writer, and she really was so interesting. She um, it's the first time I've seen someone read their speech, but stop in various places to give comment. And what she'd do is she would launch into these small stories. So she would read a part of the speech, and then she'd look at the audience and say, "Now this is really important. I want to really emphasise this because just the other day." And then she would tell this little anecdote that illustrated her point, and then she'd go back to reading her paper. It was it was a really nice combination, first time I'd seen that. So what makes a story? What has to be in place for a story to, to cross the Sean Callahan threshold of that's a story, that's not a story? Uh, look, this is a really uh, important question because I do hear a lot of people talking about story and then not telling any stories. So to know how to spot them, to know what's in and what's out is important. And really, there's some really basic elements uh, that make up a story. First of all, a story has to have a set of events. So it's all about things happening. You know, this happened, then that happened, then this happened. Um, It's more often than not starts off with a time marker. So someone will say, oh, a couple of days ago, David, I was down at the... And then that's where the story starts. It's the old classic, you know, once upon a time sort of beginning. Um, and But to make it a story, and this is, this is really the crux of it, there has to be something provided to the audience that's unanticipated. 
right? So I can, I can give you all those other things to sort of say, you know, I got up early this morning and then I got on my computer and I did some work and I had some breakfast and then I spoke to you for this podcast. We know when we hear that that's not a story, right? No. It's just a recounting of these events. However, if I sort of said, um, yeah, I got up early this morning and, you know, started working on my computer and all of a sudden smoke starts pouring out of the back of my computer and going, what in the hell's going on here? Right Now I've got a story. Yeah. You see? Yeah, yeah. One little bit of unanticipated for the audience and it turns something which is ordinary into something that, the, the, the listener, and this is the driving force behind a good story, is the listener is saying to themselves, what happens next? Right. right? And if you can generate that, that thinking in your audience, you've, you've got yourself a good story. And the, the, the importance of storytelling then and being able to create that sense of anticipation and that sense of drawing to um, the audience or the audience drawing to them the value from that particular story, how does that, how does that make sense in a, in, in a business context or a government yeah. context? Sure, sure. Well, now I think there's three main areas that uh, are really important for any organisation, whether it's government or private enterprise, um, and, and the relation to story. And the first is to be able to share your strategy as a narrative. And the reason why it's really important to do that is that your strategy should ask, should sort of prompt people to ask questions like, so why are we doing that? Like, why is this happening rather than that? And the executives in your organisation should be able to tell a, a narrative, a story, to explain why. You know, this is kind of like the Simon Sinek, you know, understanding the, the big why, but this is answering that question with a story. So the way you would do that is you would just simply say something like, look, guys, in the past we were like this and we, you know, operated like this and, you know, everything was pretty good and we got things done. And then something happened, you know, this occurred, that occurred, you know, policies were changed, new government came in, um, uh you know, the players shifted, the demography expanded, whatever it might be. And so as a result of that, we're doing this. And that's your strategy, right? So in the future, it can be like this. And just by providing that simple narrative structure, it helps listeners uh, do two things. One is to quickly understand why you're doing it. But secondly, because it's in a narrative structure, it's actually more memorable than just facts alone. And this has been shown over and over again. Um, and what they can do now is that person, as soon as they've heard that, they can tell someone else. And the problem with strategy in many organisations is that no one has it in their head. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at how many times I ask people about their strategy and they go to their filing cabinet and pull out a document to show me their strategy. Why can't they tell it off the top of their head? Yeah. And how does that not affect their day-to-day decision-making if they don't have the strategy kind of built in? So that's one really important area. The other area is just uh, around how do, how do leaders inspire and engage and, and influence the people that they're working with, right? And stories have a fundamental role in that space uh, in terms of just getting people excited about something and understanding things. And then the third area is I think it's around culture change and I had this strong belief that if you want to change a culture, you need to change the stories that are being told. And... 
And so part of it is how do you get stories flowing through your organisation that represent the, the way you want to be, the values that you want to stand for, the, the principles that you want to enact. Um, so you have, to, you have to build stories into the process of, of doing things. And a good little example of that is what Apple does in their retail stores. I know this is not a government example, but um, every day their manager gets together all those blue uniforms, they huddle together and they talk about the net promoter score from the day before. And when someone gets a really high score because they're doing it on an individual basis, they'll sort of say, oh, Stephen, um, everyone, Stephen got a 10 out of 10 yesterday. And everyone claps. And, and then he, the manager simply says, Stephen, why don't you explain to everyone what happened yesterday with, uh, you know, the mini iPad and guy came in from Ainsley on that. And... And, of course, what does he do? He tells a story. And it's a story of great customer service. Um, and everyone applauds his efforts at the end. And they do that every day. And the thing there is that they got these lots and lots of examples of great customer service. So there's no doubt what it looks like. You know, and they're even inspired to give it a go themselves. So I think if you can find processes in your organisation where you can get those stories flowing through the, the, the business, that's when you're really shifting the culture. And so how then do you acquire the skills to be a good storyteller? So when you perhaps have that opportunity to tell a story or indeed you're designing a story and you're thinking uh, actively about how you're going to do it, how yep. do you become better at telling stories? Well, I think the first thing is you have to start noticing the stories that are around you and things that happen that you think, oh, okay, that's a uh, that's a story that I can tell. Um, you know, so for example, uh, on the weekend I was watching uh, that old movie with um, uh, uh, State of Play. Now I'm just trying to remember um, the, the the main actor in it. You know the. Who was this? Who's the Australian? Oh, Russell Crowe. I'm thinking of Gladiator. But he was the he was the he played the journalist in State of Play. And I'm watching that movie, and there's this little scene where he talks about um, there's this uh, Congress uh, member. He's had some scandal happen in his life. He's asked the journalist how to address this, and the journalist says, "Well, to address this, the only way you can do it is to tell a better story." You need an alternative, plausible story to tell. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, that's a nice little, little story that illustrates a point that I make in my training, right? Because now I'm aware of these stories and, and I'm spotting them all the time. So that's the first thing. It's, it's, it's really noticing what's happening around you but also what happens to yourself and how they could be recounted as an experience to, you know, sort of make a point. We, we did a project for... Um, uh, one of the government departments in in Canberra, and uh, we're talking to an SES you know officer just about how he gave feedback, and he laughed. He sort of said, "Oh, I, I, I had a terrible situation recently. I uh, came home. I've been doing a lot of travel. My wife had decided to. Uh, They've been waiting for me to you know help renovate, to get the bathroom renovated, and." They didn't want to, my wife didn't want, want to wait anymore, so she went ahead and got the bathroom renovated as I was doing all my travel. I got home on a Friday night late. She says, oh, come and have a look at this. And, you know, she takes me to the bathroom 
And I look into the, the bathroom and I look up and he says, so um, why isn't the grout finished? And he said his wife grabbed him by the ear, dragged him down the hallway to the front door and said, shall we do that again? <laughs> and so he goes back down and he goes, oh, wonderful job, fantastic, lovely. And his wife turns to him and says, you don't do that at work, do you? And the penny dropped for this guy. Yeah, he, right. was a, he was a red pen guy, right? So now that now for him, that's a story that he can tell uh, to his other colleagues and giving them advice about, you know, recognising the good that's happened. You don't have to always focus on the negative and it causes you pain. But it's come from his real-life experience, right? And, and I think these are things that give you this double whammy. It's a little bit of insight into who you are as a real person but also making a business point. Yeah. Right? To me, that's that's a great story. Yeah. So what's how do you then determine what's in and what's out? You know, because often there's a lot of information that you want to get across, you want to tell a, a comprehensive story. How do you how do you make decisions about the things that can be left out that don't have the impact and the things that can't be left out because that's the purpose of what the story is that you're trying to tell? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head right at the end there because you have to know what the point of your story is. And what I get uh, leaders to do is I get them to preface their story with their point, right, So, and then tell the story. So you might sort of say for that bathroom story, you might sort of you say you're chatting to a group of uh, people who report to you right? And you've had this bathroom experience. And you uh, say to them, guys, sometimes it's really important to just make sure you, you recognise the good work our people are doing, you know, before you jump into the negatives. And just the other week, and then you straight, you know, straight into the story. Yeah. And when, as soon as you do that, it tends to really shrink your story, because you know, immediately what you need to do to land it at the end, which is to make that point. And the thing, though, that I find busy executives drop out of stories, which they need to keep in the story, is the things in the story that make it visual. So when I sort of said his wife grabbed him by the ear and pulled him down to the corridor to the front door, could you actually visualise that as, it was, as I was telling you? Absolutely. And the grout not being finished as well. Right. I could see that clearly. Exactly. This is what makes great stories is, is the visual elements because it turns out that we're much more affected by what we can see. Our visual capability is phenomenal, right? Um, and that's what good stories really uh, bring to the fore. That's what, what we do in good storytelling. So having that point and, and prefacing your point before you tell the story is sort of step one because that will keep you you know, on the in the right direction and making sure you're going to the right place. But then just having those small visual flourishes that help people see what's going on. Don't forget those. Okay. And what other advice do you have? Because that, that is very good actionable advice. Look, I think the other thing for me is uh, you want you don't want to practice it in the sense of practicing your stories in front of a mirror. I think that's that's a mistake, right? Because you end up coming up with a bit more of a performance and you never want a performance when you're sharing a story in a business setting. Stories should be invisible. 
Right? No one should be sitting there going, oh, I'm listening to a story. Um, so instead of practicing in front of a mirror, what I like to do is I go out and I just try it on different groups of people. And, and of course, starting with the low, um, low risk groups, might be a couple of colleagues, a small meeting in your area. And once I've told it a few times, I can then go, okay, now this is now ready for the big time. I can put this in a presentation and, and do it to all the branch heads, right? Um, so I, I really have this belief of practising while getting real work done. The second thing that I think is a super important tip is you would never want to use the word story in your conversation. So don't start off. I see people made doing this. It's a, it's a real rookie error, I think. And that is they start off and they'll say, guys, I just want to start by just sharing a little story. <laughs> Have yeah. you heard that? Yeah, I ha yeah you, you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. The thing is, what is your – what jumps into your head as soon as someone says, I want to share a story? A couple of things for you, David. That uh, it's, probably it's premeditated. Yeah. That it's, that it's thought through, that they, they want to make a point and, yep. yeah, they, they've probably taken away the element of enjoyment perhaps. Spontaneity, yeah. yeah. The other thing I, I hear a lot is people say, oh, it's made up. Right. right? Yeah. It's not true. Uh, or this is for kids. Why are we listening to a story? This is for kids. Um, or... You know, they're there. so there's all this negative baggage attached to the word story. So I always say to people, never use the S word. Um, <laughs> you need to instead just talk about experiences and things that have happened and just the other day because people are very interested. It's so interesting when you took work with, say, very scientific-minded or number-driven people. I work with a lot of engineers and scientists and finance people, right? And on the surface, you would say they, they're not interested in stories. They just want the facts. But the absolute contrary is, the tr is true because while they don't like the word story, they're actually very interested in other people's experiences. Yeah. Like all humans, right? It's a, it's a, human, it's a human feature. Um, and so if you get in there without using that word story or even worse, saying it's a funny story, you know, never do <laughs> Never go down that path. <laughs> setting yourself up. And, that, and, and tell me, what is the greatest resistance that you find when you go into these big organisations and, you know, you're the storyteller guy or the S-word guy? Um, what, what, do you find people pushing back or do you find that most people, you know, relax into it pretty, pretty easily? They, first of all, I, I think a lot of them think, well, I'm not a storyteller. So the this is not... The individuals think that they're The individual not... yeah. that I'm teaching go, I'm not a storyteller. Um, he's a storyteller over there, but I'm not a storyteller. And I find what I, what I like to do is I just get them telling stories straight away, right? So rather than me trying to make an argument for it, I literally just uh, do this little exercise where I sort of say, um, okay, I want you to pair up and um, I want you to talk for a minute on uh, what you did on, let me say, oh, no, I usually say, you know, what do you do for a living? I say, yes, minute on what do you do for a living? And they all look at me like, 
why are we doing this? Um, but, you know, they, they go with it and they do, you know, what we do for a living. And then I sort of say, once I've done that, I sort of say, look, I'm going to switch it now. I now want you to share a, a time where you felt you've made a little bit of a difference at work. Right? And, of course, they do that. Now, the second question is designed for them to tell a story. Right? And they do it totally naturally. And the difference between the two is like chalk and cheese, right? They say things like, oh, the first one was so boring and, I, you know, it was hard to say and it was, you know, I wasn't interested in what he was saying. And, you know, you get all that sort of elements. And then the other side where people were just talking about a, a time where, you know, they made a difference. So I said, oh, all of a sudden they became animated and I wanted to ask questions and, and it reminded me of my own experiences. And essentially we start to help them discover the key characteristics of stories, right? But in the process, demonstrate to everyone that they're a storyteller. Mm. Sounds like so a good job. Well, it's, it's, it's great to see the, the sort of uh, change in attitude and mindset um, because... Until I don't think with any sort of, you know, I guess adult learner, it's very hard to convince just by through argument. You've got to convince through action, I think, and through giving people experiences. And essentially what you're doing is you're helping them create new stories. The story of, oh, I can now tell a story. Yeah. No, it sounds very meta, but, you know, that, that thing really does make a big, big difference. And just a final question um, on measuring the impact of better storytelling in, in organisations. You know, obviously everyone's looking for, you know, the ROI of whatever particular investments that they're making. So how do some of the more sophisticated organisations you work with g- gather feedback and information about the value of telling stories? Yeah, look, the, um, there's a couple of different ways people are doing this. I mean, I have to say most organisations that I'm uh, working with don't have a systemic way of, of assessing the impact. Um, but the ones who are, and it's actually more in the government sector, uh, are using techniques which are story-based techniques, and one of them is called most significant change. Um, it's certainly used extensively in... Uh, is it called AusAid still? Uh, it used to be yeah, called AusAid. Yeah. Oh, no, um, it's not called that anymore, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, uh, and the technique is a, is a brilliant one. It's, it's, um, it was de- developed by a guy called Rick Davies, and what he did was he was doing some um, sort of aid program in Bangladesh, and the, um, the funders sort of said to him, uh, we want you to tell us the return on investment for this big water infrastructure program that he was doing. And he sort of said, well, I can tell you how many wells we've sunk. I can tell you how much water flows through the channels, uh, the evaporation levels. Uh, But I can't really tell you what the impact is on the lives of the people. And so this got him thinking about how do you go about doing that. And he came up with this technique, which he ended up being the subject of his PhD, where uh, he simply just asked uh, all the people who are affected by the, the program, two questions. The first one was, what's the most significant change you've experienced as a result of uh, this program? And secondly, why is that significant for you? And this resulted usually in a bunch of stories that have been told. And then he would take those stories and he would go to the funders and he might show them, you know, 10 stories. And then they have to decide which is the most significant story. Yeah. 
do, and they do that through, you know, lots of conversation. But what they're doing in the process is they're embedding the stories in their own consciousness about, you know, what's got to impact. And then they come up with, okay, this is the most significant, and then they have to say why, and then they feed that back down to the front line. So it's this double loop learning that's going on in terms of, uh, you know, what's what's making a difference. It's not a technique that will give you numbers to sort of say, okay, this is the, the impact. But in terms of the people understanding the impact, phenomenal. Uh, it was written up in the uh, the US, I don't know, it was the American Journal of Evaluation. And it's now one of those techniques that are used around the world to assess hard-to-measure initiatives. Yeah. Uh, sits, sits nicely in that space. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Sean, thank you very much for coming on today to um, to share your wisdom and your experience and your stories. Pleasure. <laughs> and you've great. told Pleasure. and you've told many many great stories. And I think the the takeaway for me is that it's it, it's it's a skill that can be learned. Uh, it's a skill that people can acquire, and it's a skill that has real impact um, in being able to move people because. As I said in the introduction, you know, you discovered this many years ago that it is ultimately people and the actions of people that will determine whether a, a project succeeds or fails or a program succeeds or fails. So it's about entering into that world and in entering into that, that intimate space where you can share um, stories so that you can create meaning so that you can ultimately deliver the impact that you're trying to deliver. So... That's fantastic and thanks for a lot of the actionable insights as well because I'm sure people will now be able to go away and practice, uh, be able to sort of say, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll start with my point and then I'll make sure that I then tell a story but I won't say that I'm telling a story and I'll see what sort of reaction I can get and people will go away and start practising and, and to become better storytellers and therefore more effective in, in their roles uh, with the responsibilities that they have. So thanks very much for coming on. That was terrific. Thanks, David. Have a, have a good afternoon. Thank you very much. And to you, the audience, thank you for coming back once again. Wonderful podcast there with Sean Callahan from Anecdote. And I'm sure if you jump online and have a look for Anecdote, the book is Putting Stories to Work. But if you do look at the website, there's lots of information there as well. And I know Sean also has a podcast, so you can listen and get more insights from the team at Anecdote. But for the moment, thanks very much for coming back once again this week. But for the moment, it is bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.